Bonnie Stewart. Been writing for <laughs> almost like I think next no 18 years. I'd say I was I was aging myself there for a second. I was about to say 20, and I'm like, wait a second, I'm not 28 yet. Uh, um yeah, so I started writing songs when I was nine. Um, it's the whole reason I picked up a guitar. And nobody in my family is really musical. They love music, but nobody like you know, my mom knows how to play piano, but I think everybody that was raised in the sixties, like was forced into taking piano lessons. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I'm sure like my, my dad could sing in church, even though we never went, but, um, he's got like one of those baritone speaking voices so he can kind yes. of when it comes that way. But, um, yeah, I'm like the weird outlier in my family that, uh, is super musical. Um, and I've, I've just always, written songs and sang. I think I started singing at the same time I started talking. So just Aww. always. Me. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, I love that. It's been in you. Oh, it's so cute. No, I'm I, just picturing little Bonnie. Oh, I've got, my dad's a photographer. I have lots of wild pictures of me, like performing in the living room when I was little. <laughs> my, mom and my dog were always great background dancers. Um, oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Aww. I told my mom when I was that um, when I grew up, I wanted to manage an office during the week and sing on stage on the weekends. So look at you practical. <laughs> I know I'm such a Virgo. <laughs> oh, you my have God. very attainable dreams. You're like, I will manage an office. Okay. <laughs> like I, so I, get, I, boss. Yeah. <laughs> I also want to sing. <laughs> yeah. Priorities. <laughs> Oh my God. I love that. That's so pure. <laughs> um, so what today does your day-to-day songwriting process look like? Um, right now. So the last EP I released, um, well, currently on, on platforms that it would be considered my debut EP. Um, I wrote that over probably the seven-ish years that I had lived in Nashville and like over that up to the time that I started recording. Um, yeah, that process was mainly like just writing when I felt it. Um, most of the time what happens is I get just like a line in my head and I sit, I have to, I'm one of those people that has to finish a song in like one fell swoop. I can't like write it and like write a verse Mm. and and, like, Mm. it just doesn't, if it, if it doesn't click in the first one, like it doesn't make it for me. Um, Mm -hmm. And I wind up not liking it because I've like forced it at that point. And that's a lot of people find success in like, um, you know, writing every day at 9 a.m. for two hours or something like that. And I have mad respect for that. But that's not the way that I feel like I get my best work out. Um, and maybe that'll change eventually. But um, what I do now is I just, you know, wait till the inspiration strikes and I sit down and kind of blurted out they usually take me about because when I say I'm not talking about like a fully produced demo like uh, that I don't know I have to go to the <laughs> it's just me yeah. and guitar when it comes to like when I say I finished a song yeah um, it's like 30 minutes to an hour of me feeling like ah this song is gonna like I'm gonna throw up if I don't get it out mm-hmm. um so yeah that's pretty much how it goes right now I'm focusing on writing my next project um, and that process has already been a little different. Cause like, I kind of, 
in the past, I've never thought of an album or an EP as like a collection of like one thought process or one complete, mm. uh, like one complete message you're trying to get across, which kind of happened with my EP inadvertently. Like I was just sitting in my office one day and like playing through a bunch of songs and I was like, Oh, all of these like fit well together and it mm. did mesh, but going into your second project, I feel like you, ha- it's a little bit, I'm, I think everybody says this, it's a little more overwhelming. Cause you're like, yeah. Okay. What the fuck am I trying to say mm-hmm. with this one? So with this one, I'm kind of like, I know what I'm trying to say, but what are the songs that are going to get me there? So I feel like most of us keep little one-liners in our phones. Um, the note app is my bestie. Um, so I have a little, I have a little note running right now that has some ideas for the next album. And when I get around to it, I'm going to lock myself in a room and just see how it goes, you know? Yeah. That's really cool. That's so well said too, like about your second project. Um, and I can totally relate to that. (laughs) I remember there's a Jason Mraz song that came out years ago but there's a line in it that goes like the sophomore slump is an uphill battle. And someone said, it ain't my thing. <laughs> That's like, funny. Yes. Preach OG it, Jason. Jason Mraz. <laughs> From like 2004. Yeah. I think it's so funny that we've all just become those people that have insane amounts of like notes on their phone and voice memos. <laughs> yeah. We were talking to one of our previous guests and she was saying that she looked at someone's phone that didn't have any notes on it. Oh yeah, I'm like, that's who right. doesn't use their notes app for yeah. everything? Yeah. Someone doesn't. That doesn't do that. Yeah, I was. I don't trust you. Yeah, I have hidden that's notes. Fake. They're I, not real. <laughs> oh, when I found out you hidden notes. Your, yeah, I did not know you could mm-hmm. hide them. When yep. I thought you could connect them to your laptop. Yep, game changing. I'm blown. Yep. Wait, I didn't and know I could do either of those things. <laughs> You can what? Make collaborative notes. Yes. Oh, yes. I knew about that. That's like cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which you can get it's Google great. on your phone, but. Yeah. It's not the same. Damn. No, it's not. Notes no. is just more powerful for some yeah. reason. Yeah. It feels like it. <laughs> it's only, do you think Apple knows like the influence they have over songwriting? They I mean, have like, influence over everything. They do. Yeah. But they have I, to know. Yeah. Yeah. Because like Like voice memos. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's wild. Um, I'm going to ask an unscripted question, but it is. It's what is your biggest fear? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What does co-writing look like for you? I don't know. And how often? Okay. No, I don't. I love that. that. Yeah. I feel like um, since I did start writing so young, like when I was like nine years old, I'm just a lot more comfortable just writing by myself um, and reach it <laughs> and like all of my songs. And it's different for everybody. Like, you know, some people want to write with four people and they want to turn out more volume. That's just not how I work. And I respect that if that's your game, but it's just not mine. And um, I do co-write with other people. What I do find is that even if I like the song that we wrote, we never write the song that's for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's never, I'm never writing for myself in those. I'm just trying to write a good song. 
Um, but when it comes to like the ones that I select for myself to actually put out, um, you know, I, I definitely think like the best song should always win. So if I wrote this sick song with like four other people, there's no reason that because it was a co-write, I wouldn't put it out. Um, I'm not that pretentious, but, um, <laughs> I, it just, really? all <laughs> happens that I, I feel more genuine in the ones that I write alone. Um, mm-hmm. but there, there's something to be said for the value of co-writing. It's about, you know, building really good relationships mm-hmm. with other people. So those lead to other things like touring together or, you know, meeting managers or labels or publishers and all those kinds of things. So there's a absolutely everything. I just don't do it often. Yeah. Cool. And when you finish writing a song, do you bring it to a producer or somebody else that listens through it and gives you like feedback or is it kind of like, this is my song. I finished it and I don't want to change it. I've perfected it how I want. Um, it kind of depends. So for Magnolia, I had written those songs over like such a long period of time that when I got the opportunity and the funding to record it, um, through my wonderful friend, Struggle Jennings, um, I knew who I wanted to work with in terms of a producer. He's a very good friend of mine. He's married to one of my, um, like best friends. She's like an older sister to me. Um, but my producer, Oscar, I called him and I was like, okay, um, do you mind if you like listen to some of my songs? I think I can pay you for something. (laughs) And, uh, in that case, we went and sat in his studio at the time and just listened through all of my voice memos. Y'all it's, it's so funny to look back on it now. Cause like, uh, I was walking into like a full fledged studio with voice memos being like, Hey, want to produce my project? (laughs) Like, because my voice memos are not like things that I sit there and like fuss over. Yeah. I like record them the second I finish a song. I'm recording them throughout and like hitting the pause and then resume button like throughout. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like one fell swoop and I'm like, fuck it. That'll help me remember it when I come back to like wanting to play it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just went in there with a bunch of voice memos and uh, demos that I had recorded at my friend Kyle's house in a total of 45 minutes <laughs> mm-hmm. and sat there and was like, so do you like it? Do you want, you know, you want to do this? I don't like have any following. So it's like probably going to be super lucrative for you. Uh, <laughs> and he was just wonderful about it and has this amazing, he like, hears the orchestra in his head kind of person. Um, so in that case, I didn't really take him take the songs to him like for feedback I took him there um more as like these are the songs I want to record what do you hear do you feel like you can take Mm. these somewhere um with this new batch of songs that I've been writing since I recorded the EP um I I send every time just to stay accountable I send um like voice memos to my managers and I just say hey Mm. this today Loki, I don't really care if you like it. I'm just letting you know I'm still writing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when the deadline comes and you're like, you have to have like 25 songs to pick from in order to do a 10 song album. They're like, okay, yeah, you've been writing. We can actually do this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mean, the, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, <"Rr>, nah. <laughs> I think that's so important about accountability though. Cause I yeah. think that is what, cause in college, 
I went to school for songwriting, not to just make this about me, Bonnie, but went to school for songwriting. And so we had, (laughs) we had deadlines and requirements and stuff to write. And now I'm like, oh, the only person to hold me accountable is myself. Yeah. (laughs) I think the wonderful thing about a deadline though, it's not even like, I think it keeps you from being such a perfectionist too, Mm. because as artists, like we will fuss over the my like most minute detail and a deadline makes you say, okay, even if they're arbitrary, like it's, they're just good to like, make you say, nope, stop short. I'm not going to fuss over this cover art anymore. I'm not going to change the font. I'm not mm-hmm. like in, in order to make this release date, it's got to go four weeks early. This is my drop dead date. And if we want to keep moving shit back, then we can keep moving shit back, but you're only hurting yourself. So mm-hmm deadlines are just like good to like kind of have a reality check mm-hmm. because nothing's never going to be perfect. You're always going to listen mm-hmm. back to it like 10 years down the road from a different mindset and be like, Ooh, I wish I had done this here. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I can sing yeah. that here now, but like, what's the point of that? If you keep sitting on shit, you're never going to get any better. Mm-hmm. So true. Yeah. <laughs> I also feel like it's one of those things where if you're not listening to your old stuff being like that could be better than you're right. not improving and growing yeah so. totally yeah exactly yeah. um is it me or you i don't remember we got so <laughs> we always write these questions and then we just start talking and we just go just off like, the rails <laughs> we don't know what's happening megan you go okay. we're on question three you're okay <laughs> how would you describe your genre of music? Like, would you say you're Americana? Would you say you're country? Would you say you're neither of those? (laughs) Girl, this is like the million dollar question. Oh, isn't it? (laughs) This is the million dollar question. Um, If somebody wants to give me the answer, they can let me know. Um, This is something I've been over with my managers, with my publicist, like, um, I feel like I fall into like just a singer songwriter category, like in general, um, there are elements of country in there. Cause I was raised in South Carolina. Like that's just never going to change. And I can't change my accent. <laughs> uh, personally, I listen to more Americana music, but I also think that the country and the Americana genres are changing so much right now that it's really hard to, you kind of just have to pick one and mm-hmm. say, you know, I'm country, but you could have like some percussion that sounds like, I don't know, um, who's my like favorite band that I'm forgetting right now, you know, just <laughs> it's shit is fluid. And I, I do think that's the wonderful thing about the increased accessibility to releasing music these days. Like 20 years ago, you couldn't just directly release an album without a label of some sort. There was no distribution platform. Mm-hmm. Um, And now there's just the barrier to entry is so much lower. So obviously it's a more crowded space, but that leads to like so much more creativity. And I think we can all agree that the country genre has gone more. I don't know, whatever mainstream country is now is like leaning more pop and people Mm -hmm. that I would have said are country 10 years ago are now identifying as Americana. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Associated with the pop part of the country that's Mm -hmm. on the major radio stations. So it's all kind of strange. I mean, I think the mark of a good song is that you can take the song and throw it into any genre and it's the message still comes across. Mm 
Mm. So I love hearing like a country song or like, okay, there's this Maggie Rogers song, um, Say It. You know the song Mm. Say It? Yes. Yes. That song, (laughs) so R&B, like, oh my God. I, it's so sexy, like, but she's in a pop genre, mm-hmm. you know, but if somebody else was singing it and like the, the musicality was changed just ever so slightly, that would be R and B. So like, that's just a good fucking song. And mm-hmm. that's what, I mean, that's what I try to do. Yeah. yeah. Well said. Thank you. I know. I think genre is so hard and I don't it's understand so, so much of the emphasis on it. I know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel Mm -hmm. like every time somebody asks someone like, and they say they do music. I mean, this happens all the time in Nashville, Mm -hmm. obviously. And it's like, Oh, what genre are you in? And it's like, I don't don't know. I write shit. I don't like, like, and I sing it sometimes. I don't know. Some people that like so strongly like want to be in like, they have like a visual component of their brand that they so strongly want to identify with country or so strongly want to identify with Americana or pop or rap or mm-hmm. R&B or whatever. Um, but when it comes to my stuff, like I'm literally just here to write and, mm-hmm. and it falls into something. But I think the emphasis on genre is kind of indicative of um, our reliance well, the music industry's reliance on algorithms to push mm. music, like new music out to people. Cause I know, and y'all know when you release new music through like Spotify for artists and you pitch for editorial, you're mm-hmm. forced to choose a genre and mm-hmm. that's in order for them and their artificial intelligence to categorize and shove your music down their funnel mm-hmm. in the way that's possible. Mm-hmm. So, and it's such a double-edged sword. Cause like, what if you choose the wrong one and it gets to that person and they're like, well, that's not country. Yeah. And you're like, well, damn it. <laughs> you told me to choose. Yeah. You're like, I don't know. I don't know. I panicked. <laughs> there should just be like an other option. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You tell me. Yeah. <laughs> you listen. Let me Honestly, know. If they're going to make us like do it because of their algorithm, they should just have their algorithm fucking decide. <gasps> yeah, actually, that'd be That's cool. Because I would idea. like to know what the algorithm <laughs> thinks. Yeah. I mean, they, they end would... up putting you in electronic or something. You're like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, they would evaluate it over some stupid shit like beats per, or like beats per minute or like. Yeah. You know, the different instruments and then it's yeah. good. but they're all like this is a classical tune it's like, yeah oh. yeah it's like yeah. oh <laughs> exactly so you released well your debut ep to the public eye debut ep yeah magnolia was that actually your first ep or did you previously mm-hmm. release anything i previously released um an ep it might have actually been an album i can't remember it was all different songs except except for the song magnolia that oh. song yeah that song was on both because that song is like oldest sin i wrote that like mm-hmm. six months into living in nashville so. i love that saying <laughs> <laughs> oldest sin sin's old um, <laughs> uh yeah the release process of Magnolia was, it was interesting. I mean, I am of the opinion that anything done in a hurry is never done right. Um, and I would always prefer to be prepared and feel like I had the best platform to go off of <clears throat> and the best 
you know, this circling back to my talk about perfectionism. I mean, I'm not trying to stick my foot in my mouth here, but like, you know, when it comes to considering holidays around release dates, what day of the week is the best way to day to release for different mm-hmm. reasons, you know, having media placements and all of that stuff. It does take several months, even after you finish the music, um, to feel like you're doing it right, which patience is a virtue y'all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it probably took us around an entire year to do record the record because the songs were already written. So realistically, I think Oscar and I probably spent seven days in the studio and this man is just so talented. Like he played every <laughs> single instrument on the EP, every <laughs> single one, the, oh piano, the bass, the guitar, except for on them too. I played the um, like lead guitar riff on there and he'd actually looped that from my demo, but everything else we just sat in the studio and he would be like, okay, what about this? And then I'd say, what about that? And we just kind of play off each other. But I think in total, I mean, we only spent about seven days actually recording. It just was more around or like working around our schedules. Um, Mm -hmm. And then like the stuff that takes longer is deciding the branding and taking the photos and planning the release schedule. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think we were still in the studio. So I released the EP the first week in October. And I think like in my phone memories, you know how they pop up at the top? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I think in my phone memories, like exactly one year before I'd been in the studio, like finishing it up. Mm. So from finishing it up, so maybe about a year and a half um, yeah. was, the, was the process. Some people do it way faster, but those people probably have bigger teams than me. Yeah, that's yeah. always baffling to me. Like, like um, what band was it? Well, the Beatles released obviously like several albums in a year, but there was one wow. recently that released like two albums in one year, like a, like a indie band. And I was like, how do you do that? That's no, crazy. It's even like, you know, Taylor Swift doing all of oh, these yeah. in one year, but it's like, she has unlimited budgets. Mm-hmm. She can literally buy a studio and be like, <laughs> we're going to be in here for two weeks and then I'll sell yeah. it. Like she won't, she yeah. won't it. <laughs> That would make yeah. to her and she would still make a shit ton of money and, and royalties. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's just kind of all about that. That indie band like probably knows the person that's producing it or yeah. such a big, like, mm-hmm. or if they have like a really good home studio, like yeah. it's kind of the only way that that happens. Like mm-hmm. you have, yeah. have some sort of, you know, connection. And I did have that yeah. with Oscar, but you know, we had, we have schedules. Shit's going on, man. He had a baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. so as we've all seen you're really you're an extremely business savvy artist. Um how do you balance the business and the creative? Well, I've always been very like left and right brained. I'm a Virgo so I'm super organized. <laughs> I'm a problem solver. And I, it's, that's actually one thing that I kind of have to let go of (laughs) solving everyone else's problems and maybe work on mine for once. (laughs) Um, But I don't know. I think because my creative side is like one of those things that I don't force like the business stuff. I mean, let's be real. I have student loans. Like (laughs) I don't really have a choice when the, um, you know, revenue cycle for music is so fucked up. 
mm-hmm. that I got to make money. So I, I work in the music side of business right now as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that I've benefited from when I first got out of college, I worked at an advertising agency and working there was like getting a graduate degree. Cause it like forces you, especially when you're in client communication, it forces you to be so organized, so communicative, like you have to be detailed. Um, and that's really helped me in my own process. It exposed me to working with like visual artists and um, dealing with other personalities and egos and all of that kind of stuff. So I think from that, I have helped my creative process. It goes back to deadlines, goes back to, um, you know, you just learn from experience. I mean, some people are super lucky and at the beginning of their musical career, they get super successful um, and they never have to think about deadlines and they never have to think about the way that the pipeline works. Um, and they assume that everything just like falls into place when they ask for it. And sometimes that, you know, sometimes when people say jump, you pull out the trampoline, but like when you're an independent artist, like it really all does kind of fall on you. So I think though it did take me longer to fully pursue music because I initially went into the business side out of pure fear. Um, it's been better because of that, if that makes sense. I love that. Yeah. That's awesome. On our own journey, man. Yeah. <laughs> You're so smart. Every time I talk to Bonnie, I feel like I've learned something new. Oh, no, I'm like soaking it up. I'm a sponge. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just, like, even just hearing you talk about genre and the algorithms, mm-hmm. I'm like, see, this bitch knows what she's talking about. Yeah. Like, everybody just <laughs> Bonnie. Bonnie, you should have a podcast. Call me anytime, girl. My advice is free to you. <laughs> I mean, I can't you correct. Yeah. See what I think. Bonnie's like, just bring over a bottle of wine and we can exactly. talk for ages. Give me a wine recipe. Yeah. Wow, you guys are two peas in the pod. Honestly. Also, every single answer to your question, like to the questions that we're asking you, I'm like, she's such a Virgo. Such a Virgo. <laughs> and like I've never met a more stereotypical Virgo in my life. And I love it. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. It's a thing oh that I've just, you know, learned to embrace. <laughs> what I can't do though, I cannot look at my horoscope mm. in my head. Because so, it's accurate or <laughs> I don't know. I think it just makes me because I'm always one of those people that like I get feelings about things and I'm usually right. Yep. Like, mm-hmm. About people or about situations. And I'm usually right. So if I like read my horoscope, I feel like I'm like, I don't know, maybe presupposing, I don't know, like putting pressure on, on situations that shouldn't be there because I already do that. So (laughs) you're like, I don't need any other expectations set. (laughs) I have anxiety. I don't need any other, like, yeah. (laughs) Yes. So well, going off of you being an independent artist, do you have any advice for those wanting to pursue music independently? Um, besides maybe don't, but I, I know that's, <laughs> yeah. that's, a, that's a sad answer. So don't say that. <laughs> Y'all, I'm so sorry. I keep coughing. I'm not sick. I It's 20 degrees outside and I was so stressed earlier. I went on a run and now I'm like, um, <laughs> my lungs. But I'll tell you, side tangent, when COVID first started, I used to go on runs a lot because I'd be like, I can still do this. 
Like, yeah, permit. Um, advice for independent artists. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think just, you know, don't assume, you know, everything. And also this is something we all struggle with every day. Like everybody's path is different and watching other people be successful can, if you're looking at it from the wrong, like headspace can feel like you're behind for some reason and you're not. Um, and you just have to understand that we're all because of what we do very vulnerable. Um, and you may be looking at somebody and thinking they're super successful and they could be turning around and looking at you and seeing some other area of your career that you're taking for granted at the moment. Um, and feeling the same way about you. So I think one of the things that, um, when I was at Belmont, which I paid $80,000 for this advice, um, <laughs> I'm still paying back. <laughs> was that, you know, you rise by lifting others and being kind to people will always get you further. Mm -hmm. Um, Nobody likes working with people who are difficult to work with or unkind. Um, And people will remember that for your entire career. So, um, you know, also pay your damn bills. Like if you're hiring another creative for work on your project or you're working with a marketing professional or somebody like, even if you're very early on in your career, like 10 years down the road, you don't want somebody being able to say, you know, this guy refused to pay my thousand dollar photography bill. When at the end of the day, like if you ever get successful, that's going to be a drop in your bucket. And when you pay those bills and when you keep those relationships fair because that is fair paying their bills then you only build goodwill and those people only want you to be more successful and they want you to work with them again so you know I think just being happy for other people's success and realizing that other people's success as long as you're kind to them means that they might bring you along for the ride um Mm -hmm. is is probably my best piece of just like roll with it man and also you know what there's nothing wrong with scrubbing toilets. If you got to scrub toilets to pay your damn bills, do it. You don't have to deal with homecoming queen from your high school looking down her nose at you. Don't go to your high school reunion. Fuck them. Like <laughs> you're out here doing some shit that they would never do in their life and they're not brave mm-hmm. enough. So just, you know, don't pay attention to the haters and don't be one. Mm-hmm. I love Ooh, that. That was good. <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> I always love the message of rising together because it's like, Mm -hmm. I tell my friends all the time. I'm like, I'm waiting for the day that you guys get famous. So like, I don't have to do the work to get famous. I can just go (laughs) off of your fame right, (laughs) and then be famous by association. Like this is my goal. I'm like, I don't want the pressure of the fame, but I will do everything in my power to make you rise. (laughs) And you take me with you. Yeah. (laughs) All I want to do if I ever have money is just pay all my friends. (laughs) Yeah, yes. on vacation. Let's like, uh, sure. You want to come on tour? Like, great. Come on. Like, that's all I want to do. I want my like buy my mom a house. That's you know, mm-hmm. it's not even like that. So yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Like, let's all Absolutely. just make a lot of money and share it with each other. Yes, money yes. <laughs> for president. Let's go. Yes. <laughs> um. So, 
what has your experience been as a woman in Nashville who's maybe in the country genre, maybe not in the country genre, but mostly a woman in Nashville? What's that? A songwriting woman in Nashville. What's that been like? Interesting. Interesting, (laughs) the least. Um, I think the, I think anybody that would say they haven't experienced some form of like, like what the fuck moment (laughs) is either not paying attention or is lying. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very interesting on the business side of it. I mean, it's such a male heavy industry in general music on the business side um, for, for many reasons. And then even as country being so dominated by men right now, um, the amount of times that I will, I will make a business recommendation or a business warning and the person that I'm speaking to is a man and they don't listen. And then another man says it to them and they believe them then. I mean, I'm just like, if I had a dime for every time that happened, you could pay your student loans off. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah, I could. You could uh, buy Belmont. <laughs> legit. legit. Um, oh, man. And that's just one of those things, you know, there are many lessons that I've learned, honestly, just even in the last year about being a grown up and being a woman in this world, not even just in music, but like, you know, the shit they say about sexism in the work, workplace is like actually true. Like Mm -hmm. I, you can say things until you're blue in the face, but if you don't have a certain register voice, like they're not listening to you or Mm -hmm. there is, and there's also obviously something to be said for experience, but there's also like ageism, like reverse ageism with with younger people Mm -hmm. where they're older. There's so many old hats in this industry that are still like king shit of fuck mountain and think they know everything about everything and they they don't even know how to save a pdf and <laughs> like won't take a marketing recommendation for some from someone that's like actively on social media every day um so and they just tell you like well you've only been doing this for like five years so you don't know what you're talking about and i'm like okay well i've been on digital for 20 years and you haven't so mm-hmm. I don't really, let's like, let's work with each other instead of being an asshole. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then on like the songwriting side, I mean, I don't know. I mean, there are wonderful men that I've worked with writing songs together. And that's a very, in the songwriting community, I feel like there is an openness to understanding like the female experience, especially when you realize that um, especially women in the country, like women, female fans of the country music, like that's, who's buying the music. That is who is making their husband. Um, this sounds sexist me even saying it, but that's who their husband is taking them to see the concert. Like you do need to appeal to women. And I think women's voices are kind of starting to be heard. Some of it's a little bit folly, like men trying to write songs from a female perspective without a female in the room. Sometimes it's like, oh my god (laughs) there's there have been some like number ones in the past like five years where I'm like I don't think there was a girl there for that one um but I have experienced like just a little bit of like there's some patronizing situations where you can be in a writer's room with somebody and everything they're trying to do is just like teach you and you're like 
Oh, oh my god. <laughs> Bang my head against yeah. a wall. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm like, you can show me how a drum machine works, but like that's not what I'm here to do. I'm here to write lyrics. If you want to write lyrics, we can do that, but don't start me. That's just, no, don't look at me and be like every pop song on, or every like country song on the radio right now has a drum machine in it. So we need to start with a drum beat. I'm like, all right. I know I was attending a course. (laughs) And then like another thing is, I mean, God, I didn't realize I would go on so long about this, but um, I, don't play writer's rounds often. And that's a whole like other bag of worms. I feel like a lot of venues in town take advantage of songwriters through writer's rounds because they get hundreds of people into their bar on a Tuesday night where they would normally not have Mm -hmm. any advantage and they don't pay a penny to the songwriters. Mm -hmm. So I will go with like, or I will go play obviously if like a friend of mine is hosting it or, playing in it. Also, I mean, I'm, you know, I'll get up there and play. It's good practice. Um, but as a concept, I don't really love it. (laughs) I'm like, if you could throw like 50 bucks at each songwriter, it might mean that they like make their rent this month. Um, Mm -hmm. and they definitely could on big nights like that. But, um, one of the things that's things that's been really funny is like, I was on a bill recently of like about 20 writers for a writer's round. And I was the only girl. And I was, you're kidding. I know. And I was happy to be there, but I was just like, God almighty, we can't mm-hmm. be serious. Y'all. There are so many good girl writers in this town. Like mm-hmm. do y'all, just, it's all, and this is, you might, I mean, you don't have to edit this out, but it turns into <laughs> like a circle jerk. Yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely not editing that out. <laughs> into a circle jerk of all these fucking dudes up there like singing about trucks and whiskey and Mm -hmm. you know whatever and they have this whole image and this whole persona where I'm like you want to be a country singer Mm -hmm. you want to be famous you don't want to be a songwriter you can't possibly want to be a songwriter and you're writing that shit Mm -hmm. like you know I just was mind blown. And I get it. Like everybody has their circle of friends, but like, it's the same thing where, you know, you see a circle of white people still hanging out together and they, you don't have a single like friend that is Brown. Mm-hmm. Like not that you, it's just like, are, are you yeah. actively trying to exclude people? Cause that's kind of what it feels like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's like they copy and paste like the writers' yeah. rounds that I go to. It's just like white There's cis people. straight men with hats on and jeans, yep. and, and it's just copy paste, copy paste, and their hair. Oh, yes, oh. have mullets, which yes. are gone. I don't need that to come back. I know it's like technically back in Nashville, but it's not. It's not back for me. It's not sexy. You're not buying me a drink if you have a fucking mullet. Like, <laughs> if you have a mullet, you probably can't afford to buy me a drink. So. <laughs> Unless you're more wild and I don't want you to. So exactly. Oh my god! I just gosh. show up to my writer's round wearing like a rainbow suit with like <laughs> like nothing underneath, just like hey y'all. <laughs> you absolutely. Should. I would love that. Okay, I need a yeah. rainbow suit. <laughs> you do. I'm surprised you don't have one already. Honestly, I'm also surprised. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, that was like, those are like really great answer, but also like so infuriating. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it kind of goes the other way too. Cause, um, wink, wink, nod, nod, nod. Uh, you'll probably know what I'm talking about, but there's a female only round in town. That's the same way exclusive. And it's like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really, like, like just integrate. Yeah. Well, it's not even, I understand the, um, necessity of having a female only round, but when it's mm-hmm. the same five females every week, I'm like, you're not really actively trying to include yeah. the songwriting community that is female. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. you're just yeah. Five people and you're putting them at a good venue yeah. and helping them. That's it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're all white girls. Yeah. I mean, I say that as a white woman, I get yeah, it, but, exactly. <laughs> yeah. but like, yeah, you could have some diversity. Yeah, instead of just straight cis white people everywhere, like, Every mm-hmm. just, oh Every my god, <laughs> they're yeah. taking mm-hmm. over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. Preach so we've this. come, <laughs> preach. We've come to the final question of this episode, our hard hitting question: Why do you write songs? Mm, because I don't know what I would do if I didn't. I mean, <laughs> I. I started writing songs. Well, I think a lot of it is my parents, though they are not musical themselves, always loved singer songwriter music. So like I grew up listening to like Emmylou Harris and Guy Clark and Alison Krauss and all of this, which could in some people's mind be considered country. Some people would consider it Americana, like (laughs) one of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, But I have always listened to songs for the lyrics. Like I remember the first time I understood what a song was saying and it was dashboard confessional. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I remember where I was. Like I remember looking at my brother and be like, get it. Um, So I think I, I definitely do it as like a therapeutic exercise, like all of my songs, um, even if I throw in different names or fictionalized situations, they're all autobiographical, um, Mm -hmm. in some aspect, um, or about a friend or about something that I've experienced. So it's definitely like a therapeutic thing. Um, and you know, I've realized in the last year that like, I can't, I don't usually write songs when I'm in the middle of the emotion and it's either it either it either comes out like before I realize I'm feeling it or after I've gotten through like the roller coaster of it if that Mm. makes sense yeah absolutely like like I wrote doubt on this EP I hope he doesn't listen to this while I was still living with my ex-boyfriend. And um, at the time, you know, it was a genuine expression of how I was feeling. I was just like, I don't, I don't know what I want. Like, and I, but I didn't think it was the like cap on that relationship that it actually was. Mm-hmm. And it was like, that's when I knew without knowing that I didn't want to be it in anymore. Um, and I didn't realize it until I was six months down the road, I was living alone, you know? Um, so it's, it's just like a way to deal with my emotions. I, I don't really know any other way to do it. I should probably just go to therapy, but you know, I don't know if I could still write. So <laughs> 
we are big proponents of therapy here. We are we um, love therapy, but we also love songwriting therapy. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, I don't think it's genuine. I don't think it's possible for me to write myself out of the mental fuck that I am. <laughs> I should probably do that. (laughs) You just start sending your therapist the voice memos. You're like, okay, this is is what's going on. Literally. Actually, that's not a bad idea. Me with songwriting. I think it like just having it in your mind to put things to paper, even if it's just like what you did today, Mm -hmm. like keeps you more into that practice. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Also, if we're going to go back to like, what do you recommend for independent artists? Write some shit down, man. Journaling. Yeah. <laughs> Morning. Have it when you're having your coffee and write for like 30 minutes. That's it a feels great idea. But, you know. The end of the episode is here. Um, we would love to hear what song we're going to end the podcast with and uh, give us a little um, background on it. Oh gosh. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to go with Sarah Um, because I feel like I am speaking to two strong empowered women and that is what this song is about. Um, (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. It's this song is, it's not funny at all. It's very depressing. It might be my favorite song on the EP just in terms of, um, the environment that I feel like the production of it made if like it creates kind of like a visual experience, I think through the production, because obviously when I wrote it, like I said, I just wrote it with a guitar and I'm like, Hey, Oscar, can you make this sound? (laughs) Um, So this song, when we finished the production of it, I looked at Oscar and I just, it's, it's fucking heavy. And I just looked at him and I was like, I have never smoked a cigarette in my life. And I want a fucking cigarette. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. it is just like, Ouch. Yeah, I'll I'll just give you I'll give you that. Everything.